Hey cuties, welcome to Cup of Joy, the podcast created to jumpstart your joy, supersize your soul, and provide a sweet space for your own personal growth. I'm your host, Heidi B, certified food and body coach, life coach, personal trainer, and owner of Joyfully B, where I'm obsessed with helping people win the food and body battle and reclaim their joy. I'll share with you stories of people who have shifted their junk to joy and struggles into celebrations to live a life that they love. Each episode is guaranteed to light and lift you up. Because on this show, we'll talk truth about topics that block us from living our best life, how to make your body your bestie, and tons of tasty tidbits to make your own cup of joy overflow. Believe it or not, I once lost my joy, but now it's back, and I'm here to help you find yours on the daily. As my mama bee always says, it's time to put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Ready to start? Let's jam. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest with you today, uh, Karishma Dande, and she started coaching with Karishma out of her love for helping others. Being a first-generation immigrant, she recognized that there were cultural constructs that were holding her back from living out her wildest dreams, and now she helps others to live their own empowered lives by breaking free of their own cultural standards, people-pleasing, perfectionism, and high-performing anxiety through breathwork and coaching. Hey, hey, Karishma, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy that we are finally doing a podcast together. You guys, Karishma is not only an incredible cultural coach, breathwork facilitator, and much, much more, but she's also one of my very dear friends. And as much as we talk on the daily, it's kind of ironic that we haven't yet recorded a podcast. Agreed. (laughs) It's well overdue and you guys are certainly in for a treat because as we were just chatting um, on one of our regular weekly chats, Karishma was talking to me about a really, really important topic and that is the topic of courage. And we were kind of just jamming on the fact that courage has been something that's really brought you through so many various phases of your life, the things that you coach on now, the things that you help people get through with breath work and really all of the things in your own personal life, career, relationships, and we'll get into the nitty gritty of all of it. But courage is, I think one of those terms, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, be courageous. It makes me think of, um, what's that movie, The Wizard of Oz, where it's like, oh, does he have courage? Does the lion have courage? It's kind of just like one of those magical words out there, but it really is something that is so true and so necessary and breeds so many other pieces of our being that um, you're the first one to talk about courage on this podcast. And I'm so excited. I love it. (laughs) So the first thing that people usually do on this podcast, and I know you have like, like we said, all these different categories of things you can go as deep as you want or as high level as you want. But um, in order to get to the joy part, a lot of people really start kind of like on the back end with their quote unquote junky stuff. So if you're ready to dig into the junk, go ahead and give us a little background of kind of like where all this came up and then we'll segue into the courage part. Okay. Yeah. I mean, me and you have talked before that I have a lot of junk stories that I had to work through. So I would say the first thing is, you know, my parents were arranged. So when they got married, it wasn't a traditional wedding. So they met one time before they actually said I do at the altar and it caused a lot of trickle down effects for me growing up because it showed I didn't really see love in the household I didn't really see affection in the household and I saw more things around like 
walking on eggshells around each other. I also saw a lot of things that were telling of women born into this type of situation and what this social construct can do. And I know at the time I knew I was one of the luckier ones because there wasn't abuse in my family per se, mm. but I had heard all of those stories from, you know, aunts and the culture. And I would always sit there and wonder why don't women stand up for themselves? Like it was mind boggling to me that they don't actually stand for anything really besides doing stuff in the kitchen or dishes or taking care of their partners or throwing parties and hosting and taking care of other people. And as much as I didn't understand that, my parents didn't understand what I was growing up in either. Mm. So it caused a lot of friction in the house. I wasn't a straight A student. I wasn't like the stereotypical Indian. I hated school, didn't want to go, didn't like love my peers. I didn't fit in in school. Um, and anytime that I would tell my parents about any of that, they wanted to go straight to the principal's office or wherever. So that would always give me more anxiety than less anxiety. So I just would never talk about it. I would bottle everything in. And I didn't really feel like I could freely say that I didn't like school or I didn't want to go to school because it wasn't necessarily me who got in trouble. It was my mom. So my dad would like yell at my mom because it's her duty as a woman to raise these children to have um, the best grades, get into the best school. And there's mm -hmm. all these expectations around women that are like very hidden. And because I didn't really feel like I fit in anywhere, I didn't fit in at school. I was different. I didn't fit in at home. I didn't fit in with my family. I really felt depressed yeah. and I just didn't have an outlet. And I would stay in my room all the time. I wasn't even really allowed to hang out with people. I wasn't allowed to go to sleepovers. I wasn't allowed to have guys who are friends. Group projects were really hard for me. Um, I had very strict curfews. So all of these things like just led to me being really sad. I would cry every night um, in my room. I would sit in the dark all the time. I had insomnia um, and I was also enrolled in all these different activities. So I never really had the time to process anything. I was, a I was in dance all the time. And then of course I was in Indian classical dance. So that made me even stand out even more because I would compete in all these different things around our little city, but nobody knew what it was. And when I did tour and do that for like, I would tour in drama departments and things like that, people would always come to me and say, does she speak English? Mm -hmm. So it just made me like feel worthless. You know, it was like anything I tried and like dance was something I was actually pretty good at. So and like, in reality, you, you grew up in, in um, the Midwest. You grew up in the Midwest and then you moved to LA. So you've, you're a first generation immigrant. You've lived here your whole life. There's no, like, other than that your skin color is, you know, that you look yeah. up Indian descent. There's really, like, nothing that one would bring you to that conclusion, right? Yes, exactly. So it was just like not fitting in anywhere really took a toll on me. Like mm -hmm. 
there was a point where I was self-harming um, and our, my school newspaper at the time wrote an article about that. And I would say my lowest point was probably when I was 18 and one of my friends committed suicide and she was like one of, she was my first Indian friend in, in the whole town when we first moved from Columbus to Sacramento. Um, she was our neighbor and um, I just felt really sad. And, and the reason I felt sad was because and who had to realize that other kids of color were struggling with probably the same things I was. And so it was a real eye opener for me where I was like, it's really sad. And, and, and I've heard you say so many times to me before, it's like, the reality is, is that um, so many first generation immigrants, they, they don't speak about what's going on, because it's kind of like that sign of weakness. It's like, we're, I must be the only one going through this. And it's kind of ironic, because it's not just first generation immigrants, that's what we're talking about, in your instance, but there's so many people in the world who just shy away from the things that they're going through because they think they're the only ones, you know, that's why I never talked about my divorce. That's why I never talked about food and body. And I tried to act like I was just super healthy all the time. And really just whatever it is that that's ailing you, you just, you just don't want anybody to know. I'll just suffer in silence alone. Yeah. And I think like, there's the thing that's funny is like, we're so big on communities. And so like my parents, when they first moved here, they were so big on creating this community so we wouldn't feel alone because mm. in India, you're like surrounded by family, your door is unlocked, people stop by whenever they want. There's always an open door policy for anybody in the, in the hood. So, I mean, it was, my parents wanted to create that kind of thing, but what ends up happening is the parents, they end up talking about their children. And when they do that, they're basically comparing their kids. Mm. Like, oh, my kid got valedictorian. My kid did this, has this job. And so if you're not fitting into these, these kind of constructs that you're born into, you kind of become this like gossip of the community. Mm. And so even it's like the people who you think are your friends who are like your age, it makes it extra scary to talk to them because you know they might go and tell their parents and then it becomes this whole competition between the two families of whose kids are better and whose families are better and it just adds extra stress you know so it really feels alone and the parents feel the heat heat of it because they feel like they have to compare themselves to their parents or to their communities and the people that they're trying to uphold this facade and they're masking all over the place being like, my kid does this, my kid does this. And that's kind of how they fit in, which in turn makes you feel like you've got to uphold these expectations to not disappoint your parents so that you fit in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, and then as far as career wise, um, did that, did those cultural expectations kind of pivot you into a direction in your career as well? Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to go like in, when I went, when I was going to college, I always wanted to major in music business. Um, for as long as I can remember, I wanted a recording studio, and that was kind of my dream. I mean, obviously, the music industry has changed a lot. Basically, like, it was held on my head, like, if you major in that, we're not paying for your college. 
or there was always this threat of like, if you do that, I'm going to disown you. Like every, anything that you did that was bad, that was kind of how the parents held controls. Like, oh, if you do that, you're going to be disowned. Like, that's it. If you date this guy, you're going to be disowned. Like, it's just, everything comes back to that. And it's really like fear mongering, you know? And I really didn't love that environment. So I agreed to go along with it just so I could get out of my house. Mm-hmm. I did not want to live there anymore. Like there were times where I dabbled. There were so many kids my age at that time where they were doing two years of community college and living at home and then going to another, you know, to finish their two years somewhere else. And all I really wanted was to leave. So, freedom, just freedom of of all of that. Yeah, the freedom of all of that. And because my dad didn't agree to pay for my college, and that was my worst fear is being trapped at home, I went into college with an undecided major. And I dabbled in like a thousand different things in college. And, you know, then the recession hit. So um, I got, I started getting certificates in different things because I refused to move back home. I was like, this is not happening. I would live on people's sofas um, until I like landed my first job. So ever since then, it's really been like getting your first job, I would say is your taste of freedom. But if it's not the job that you love and what you were meant to be doing on this planet, you are going to be trapped. Like it's only temporary happiness until you realize that it's a new kind of jail. Like, right. yeah, step one, get out of your parents. Step two, get the degree or certificate or whatever. Step three, like you get the job, but then it's not fun for you. And so I feel like my whole life up until this point is like me chasing, you know, a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that has made me look at all types of things and how I eventually ended up as a coach now. It's amazing all things considered because I can only imagine, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the type of cultural expectations that you describe with arranged marriage and things like that. But I certainly had expectations from my parents in the sense that you will get certain type of grades and act a certain way. And you know, the way that, the way that they were raised, even things, you know, like things you don't do before you're married, things you do after you're married, kind of that timeline of how things pan out. And it's really interesting. And my parents were quite flexible in a way, but there were always these expectations that I had placed on myself as a result of what I thought that they wanted me to do. So Mm -hmm. how did you start to recreate and choose courage out of these situations? Because I think that so many people in your situation don't ever face this in the same way that you have. So how did you get to this point where now you pretty much, your parents know when not to push and when not to do different things. So how did you kind of, not kind of, how did you navigate out of one norm into the new one that you wanted for yourself? So courage is like an innate thing that lives deep within us. And It's only when we can really connect into ourselves can we actually choose it. Of course, there's always courageous things that we're doing along our journeys, Um, whether, you know, like I spoke about a few of those things about just like not going home and putting my, my line in the sand right there. 
But until we actually find the love for our own selves, can we stand up for what we truly believe in? Otherwise, we're just real seriously battling worthiness, like our own worthiness. Like, am I really worthy of saying these things to the people who raised me? And I would say a big one for me personally was this idea of marriages. So I'm like 34 now in the Indian timeline. That's considered old. And in their minds, I should have already been married. And if not married, them setting me up with somebody to get an arranged marriage like themselves, which I never wanted. I was just never wanted a marriage like theirs. And because I denied that, every single phone call would be asking me about marriage and kids every single time that I would call home. And I hated that conversation. Like you could, and, you knew it, you knew that every time the phone rang and it was your mom or your dad or both, that it was going to inevitably navigate its way to the marriage discussion. Oh, yeah. Relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even like off of that, it could easily be off of that. <laughs> like, you know, it's like my mom would always say, she would always say, I'm never going to be happy until you're married. Mm. And it's like, why? Like, I'm successful. I live by myself. I'm chilling. Like, why does it matter to you? Like, you should be happy that I'm just happy right now. Like, that I don't really want that for myself. It's just like, no, you'll never be settled. You'll never be settled if you don't have a man. And it's like, really? I'll never be settled? I feel pretty settled right now. Like, I paid for all my bills by myself. And so that was really, like, infuriating for me, but was really the first step into setting boundaries. And I think the important thing with boundaries, courage, all of those things is you have to separate yourself from the situation and sit with yourself and be like, if I could create something healthy, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. And you can decide to set the boundary. Like I can easily say tomorrow to you, hey, I hate it when my parents ask me this question, these questions, and I'm going to set this boundary. Mm. But to actually speak up and do it and speak up for what's right is the hardest part. And that's what courage is, is leaning into that hard part so that you can grow. And it's uncomfortable, but in the end, you're just a stronger person. Mm, that's so good. I, I think that courage is also just like, the decision to decide. Mm -hmm. There's so often that we just allow fear to sit in our busy brain yes, and, and start to consume our body. Like it starts in our brain and then it works our, its way down our throat, which is why we feel that like clenching of the th throat. Like, I don't want to talk about it. And then it moves into our heart space and then it moves. It just starts to, the fear starts to take over our body until we decide to decide. Nope. I'm mm -hmm. no longer going to be afraid of the dark. No. I'm no longer going to be afraid of the basement. Like I used to have a fear of the basement and then my parents built me this beautiful room in the basement. And I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I have my own bathroom and in a house with three girls and two parents, like to just have my own bathroom was amazing. So I have this, and I have a walk-in closet, but I have to live in the basement. Oh my God. But I just had this fear just because when I was little, it was like this dark and scary basement. Nothing bad ever happened in my basement, like nothing but it was dark and scary. And it's like, nothing changed until the day I decided to say, um, I'm just 
going to own this and I'm just going to live in this new space and it's safe here. It's mm -hmm. just, it's literally a decision to decide to shift the mindset and go, this is what I stand for now. Mm -hmm. This is what I stand for. This is what I want. And regardless of what I hear outside of me, whatever's outside of me, um, I decide that this is what I see. It's kind of almost that shift in perspective too, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to have an arranged marriage. I decided that that is not for me. And yeah. regardless of if my parents disown me or cut off my financial funds or whatever it is, I've decided that I'm okay and I'm safe to live my life in this way. Yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. And I think like there's so many emotions that come with courage. And for me, like one of them was definitely anger. Um, and just a pattern that I had from when I was a kid is anytime my dad, specifically my father, would lecture me or whatever, my body would perceive that as yelling at me and being in trouble. And just like, if I don't do what he says, I'm not going to be loved anymore. Mm -hmm. And I would just automatically cry. Like I couldn't, I didn't even have the courage to stand up for myself. And that had to come really in very small pieces, right? It's not even like a big thing at first to gain the courage and to actually gain confidence in what you're doing is not going to create any resistance in relationships or have any ripple effects that people are still going to love you and still going to want to be around you and still want to talk to you regardless of what you talk to them about is a huge game changer. Can I say one more thing? One more thing yeah. to that is that that is absolutely true. That kind of like that drip release of like, okay, I'm just going to tell my mom and my dad this thing this one time, and then we're going to know that it's okay. That's a beautiful piece of the puzzle, which is building evidence, right? Like I'm going to make it through this and yeah. there, and I'm still going to have all these things. And totally. tell me what you think of the other side of the tracks, which is um, I've been in situations where it's like, in a romantic relationship situation, or even with parents and, and sisters and things like that, siblings, friends, where it's like, okay, I'm going to try this one thing and they're going to still love me. Right. They're not going to leave me. Right. And then they do. Mm -hmm. And then they do. Mm -hmm. And so there's evidence on the other side as well, where you go, okay, but I still survived, not even survived, but I'm still here. I'm I am able to repair my heart. I'm able to pick myself up and move on because I love myself and it's mm -hmm. okay. And I got this and I still can create the things with courage in my life and move forward and still have things that I do love and that I do like without that person. So it's harder when it's so close to you, but it's, it can be both sides of the tracks there. Yeah, no, totally. And I think on the other side of that is forgiveness because yes, you can forgive externally, but internally, because what's going to happen inside of you is it's going to create a lot of anxiety in your body saying, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I should have just kept my mouth shut. I should have just, you know, like your brain will go crazy and it actually takes a lot more courage to forgive yourself and allow yourself to energetically release so you can move on and continue to create roads and paths for yourself that never existed before. Can you share um, 
anything that you finally got the courage to forgive yourself for? Um, definitely so many relationships in my life. You know, I think in my own path for courage, my personal little slivers of how I started building it was standing up for the right thing on behalf of other people. My first one is like for my mom, like if I, when I got a little bit older and I was already out of the house and I would notice the same patterns of the way my dad was talking to my mom and my mom didn't have the courage to stand up for herself. So I would stand up on behalf of her. Mm. I can say, even though like I still talk to my parents, I have a super healthy relationship with them now. I've also done that in the friends realm where I've stood up for my friends. I've stood up for what's right. I've fought on their behalf and I've acted as their voice. And sometimes it's really easy to get carried away and go really in depth with that when it's not actually what your friend wanted in the first place. Like doing the little driplet of it is cool, but getting yourself so involved where now you're so emotionally in their life, even though it's not your story, it's not your problem, it's not all of that, all of that, it has ruined friendships for me in the past. And that is something that I did have to forgive myself for because I was doing what I thought was right. And even though it wasn't right for them, I felt like I was doing the right thing. But yeah, I mean, I did have a lot of regret around that. I love what you just said too, because on a lesser scale, even before it gets to the point of a broken friendship, a lost friendship, um, the ability to be able to forgive yourself for showing up in a, in a way that wasn't the highest version of you, because we're only as good as what we've learned so far. So I know that a lot of the forgiveness comes around from becoming aware. You're not aware until you do some of this heavy lifting and this deep, um, I would even say spiritual work or self-development work. Um, but on a lighter level, I would say, which is just as difficult, I think, and I just want everybody here to hear this, that it takes a lot of courage to not be a gossiper. And it's something that I think makes this world so toxic when we drip into other people's drama and we feed the drama because why? Because we want to connect with human beings on any level. We're made for connection. We're made for acceptance. We're made for love. We're made for all of that. And so when we hear somebody, and I know there were so many times, especially in the office, right? When I was working my nine to five, where you hear somebody say something and they're gossiping about something and you're shutting the door and you're doing all these things and it just fuels the fire. And nine times out of 10, the other person has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with something that you're going through or you're growing through and you're just projecting onto others. And I remember, and I won't name names, because I know a lot of people listen to this podcast who um, may be interested in knowing, is that me? Is that me? It, it doesn't matter if it's you. The truth is like only, you know, if you gossip, only, you know, if you play into the drama. Yeah. And I remember that at one of my jobs along my 15 year um, work in the event field. So this could be in Michigan, this could be in California, this could be anywhere. I had people who were truly like deep rooted friends in the office. And then I had other people who were acquaintances and then I had other people who were just kind of like, oh, okay, I got to show up to those people at work, right? We all have that. Mm -hmm. And I remember this one person who just always showed up in their truth and always showed up. And when this person would hear other people gossiping, they would never feed into it. And I learned so much from that person just because it was like, 
I'm not going to listen to that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to buy into that. And sometimes I'll listen to it, but I'll also say, no, that's not true. That person has never done that to me, or that person has never shown up like this, or that, that is not true. And it just takes so much courage so often. Um, even in your family relationships, there's been times since I've done this work on courage where I say, no, mom, that's not true. That's not true. Did she say that to you? Well, no, but anytime the words no, but come out of your mouth, just stop. <laughs> but we have to have courage to bring the truth to the forefront so that we stop spreading all this toxicity in the world that's not truly ours and that isn't really other people's either. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think like in this work, like we do a lot of things in energetics and you find out how low vibe energy gossiping actually is, mm-hmm. you know, and I think back in the ancient days I read I was reading in this book Sapiens this is how communities formed was over gossip they would all commune together and it was like the thing that everybody had in common you know and now it's like we're evolving to the point where it's like what is the other thing that we can have in common can it be supporting each other instead of competing with each other can it be that we're each other's cheerleaders instead of haters you know, and I think flipping that mindset, that too takes courage because especially in like the coaching industry, as you know, there's a ton of us, Yeah. but where none of us are really competing. We're all cheerleading each other on because we all do different things or whatever it is, but it's so different than how like a normal business operates with their competitors and people are out for blood. And we're here just spreading love. So that takes equal amount of courage. What would this world look like if gossip was just replaced with compliments? Or we still gossiped, but it was only positive truths. If I was able to say, hey, under my breath, you know, whisper out, did you know that Karishma is seriously the most incredible breathwork facilitator you've ever seen? That's what I heard. I've never seen her done it. Like we don't gossip bad things. <laughs> Yeah, we don't. We only gossip ill will and get into the drama. So you know that's how you can really check yourself. How courageous can you be? I also think I'm so glad that you brought this up, but because another part of courage, I think, is vulnerability. Like being vulnerable is one of the most courageous things that you can do. But we've been taught that being vulnerable, showing tears, you know, really letting people in to who we really are, is weak. Instead of it's extremely, when I see somebody just break down in front of me or tell me their deepest, darkest secrets or that, you know, like you shared, there was, you know, there were times where you were just so deep down that it was like physical harm to your body or whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. That's where you're just like, wow, that person is so brave. They're so courageous. Mm -hmm. Because it's scary to share, which is why I love this podcast because I think it's so important that men and women hear us talking about these things that um, need to be more normalized. Yeah. And I feel like even from the time that I first met you to now, um, the growth that happens, just like when you invest in that and in yourself and your belief system, like I can remember the first time we ever hung out and you guys were asking me like, 
what would you coach on? Like, what would you, what would you do? And as you know, I didn't join that program to be a coach, but I can remember like tearing up telling you guys like, well, I think I want to coach first gens, but I know that if I do that, I'm going to have to speak up about my family. I'm going to have to speak up about what went on in my family. And that was so scary to me, like even to the depth that I let you guys in today, like a year ago, a year and a half ago would not have been a reality, you know? So just accepting that as my past and saying that this is really part of my story, you know? Yeah, really, really owning that piece and saying, okay, well, all the things that brought me to this point are part of my journey, but they don't make me, you know, I've made who I am right now in this moment. Yeah. And I can just remember going back to like old thoughts and old stories of like, I'm going to get disowned. My parents are not going to talk to me. My community is not going to talk to me. Just like so much fear around speaking up and speaking out. But I feel like when you truly sit with yourself and start healing all the parts of you, the younger parts of you, you actually start talking about it with the people who did hurt you. And you start talking about it with the people who impacted your life when you when all of these things and thoughts formed. And that is where the courage actually begins. For me to have the courage to sit here now and tell you what actually goes on or went on in my house, it took a lot of talking to my parents first about, about where this journey started, why I want to coach. Because to them, this, this was like totally came from left field of Mm -hmm. why I want to coach first gen, you know, and it totally goes back to to that time. So I feel like it's by doing that inner work that you can finally confront all the places that you felt abandoned and wound and this blow worthiness type of stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm so grateful that you and I have both embarked on that journey um, over a year ago, and now we just get to make this what we do for a living because yeah. we know that this work is so powerful and, and it works in food and body, in healing anxiety, stress, all these wounds, the courage that you found, all of it. It's it's such deep work. I was talking to someone else the other day on a podcast, and she said uh, the words, "The gym is the easy part." She's because she runs a CrossFit gym, and she's also mm-hmm. a food and body coach. And she said, "You know, the interesting he- thing, Heidi, is that." I tell all my clients, the gym is the easy part. You think it's hard to get up in the morning and put your shoes on and do all the things. Well, that's easy. That's an hour. The hard part is actually the transformation part that actually shifts and changes you for life. Your physical body is going to go up and down from now until the time you're 112. If you're so lucky to live that long, if you take care of your body, right? Yeah. And for so many other reasons, but we can't control what our boobs and our butts and our hair and our face and our limbs. Like we can't control any of that. We think we can logically, we think we can, and we can do our best to keep things moving and grooving, but we, we really can't, we really can't, can't predict if we're going to get disease or get hit by a car and lose our leg. Like we can't predict these things, but what we can manage is the emotionality. And that's what you and I are helping so many people navigate through now is the gym is the easy part. I can teach you. That's why I shifted from being a personal trainer to doing this work. And that took a 
crap ton of courage because yeah. my busy brain wanted to navigate like nobody's going to want that. Nobody's going to need that. Well, in fact, matter of fact, people do. Yeah. People are shifting and changing as a result of this. And I will never do more powerful work than this work. Yeah. And I, I actually think it's when you're confronted with the lowest part of your life, right? Where you wake up and you're like, can I live with this? Yeah. Like, I think a real thing, that's what started me like investing in myself actually was I woke up one morning and thought I was going to die. And I thought I had a disease and I was like, if I had this disease, could I literally live with my life? And the answer was like so scary because obviously it was no. But at the same time, I was like, well, what would you do? Like, you have to figure out if this is your reality, like how the fuck you're going to live with this, you know? And that's really what started the whole journey in general, right? And I think it's like the first time you invest in yourself, it's the scariest because Mm-hmm. We as a society don't like to spend money on ourselves. We always think it's other things that need the money. And once you do it one time, doing it again and again, because you'll see the benefits of it and how much you grow from it, that you'll want to just keep going to that next level. Like, okay, how can I grow more? How can I push my edge more? How can I further myself more? How can I just be a better person more? And you'll always look for that next thing and you'll start prioritizing that. Because that's what self-care and self-love actually looks like. Mm, Speaking of courage, it really is like deciding to do the inner work is the most, is, is probably the most courageous thing that I've done to date is because once you learn the frameworks and tools around this, then you, it's, it's almost unreal because once I learned all the things that made me who I am, that make me tick, that make me respond to my boyfriend, my sisters, you, the listeners, like everything in life, I can now, I can't shut it off. Yeah. It's like the lights have gone on all over. And I know now when I try to dim the light switch, like, oh, I don't want to see that right now. You know, when you're like, I just, I just don't want to look at that right now, right now. Yeah. But it's, it's still there in front of you. And so then you get to go, okay, I can either just look at this thing in the face, deal with it, be courageous and know that something will shift and change. I don't know how it's going to shift and change and I'm not in control, but something's going to shift and change, or I can just turn the light all the way out. And that means that I've turned out my internal light, like yeah, my internal being is basically like saying, no, I don't care to grow anymore. It's not worth yeah. it. It's yeah. Worth I mean, it. dealing with our feelings and all the things that we've suppressed for so long is probably the most courageous thing that any of us can do. Mm, it's so good. It's so good. And I love what you said, because back to kind of that, like, well, how do people find courage? You find people who know how to navigate through courage and they give you all the tools to do it. It's insane. I just never thought that this type of work existed. And I dabbled in it a little bit here and there, you know, Barnes Noble self-development books. But once I actually found a coach and did the work, I was like, whoa, this yeah. is insane. And it's always nice. Like I have a coach right now who, who says the reason we all need coaches is because it's kind of like jumping off of a plane. You wouldn't jump out of a plane and go air diving by yourself. 
without like the person to kind of like hold you. That's what gives you like that safety and that support. Right. And our biggest fear is not being safe. Like everything comes back to if I do something, will I die? Will I not be loved? It always goes, that's the yin and yang, right? So you want somebody there who's going to hold that container for you when you do go off the fritz because you will. Yeah. Right. You can't just blindly go into something that's scary. Mm. But if there's somebody there holding you and telling you and seeing the best of you, it just helps your process go so much faster because that person is not going to give up on you. Sure, everybody else might when you're going through boundaries and courage and all of that stuff, but this person will always be there for you and hold that place for you when all of the things that you've been suppressing are finally coming to light, right? Mm, that's so good. We always start off our coaching practice and you know, we, we both did this and we, I think both of us continue to do this with our clients. It's we ask you to um, really sit down and visualize your future self. What does she or he look like a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? Maybe for some of you, it's, it's two months or five months from now, but any future version of you that is not right now. And it's so powerful to live in the energy of somebody who has decided to be courageous and step into what they know that they need for themselves and move through with that energy. Yeah, no, totally. And it's like when you do that exercise, like when I did it for the first time ever, I was like, I don't know who the fuck I want to be. I just don't want to be where I am right now. Like, <laughs> does that count? You know what I mean? And I think we have the hardest time deciding, but it's like, once you decide, like you were saying, that thing, that place in between to get there is what takes the courage. Because mm -hmm. you're not just going to wake up that in the morning and be this new person. It's going to work to do. I love reading all of my clients' future self letters because it allows me to feel their energy of that, that version of them, see that version of their higher self. And then on every single phone call, every single Zoom call, every single workshop, every single retreat, stare at that person and reflect to them back that version of themselves. Yeah. saying, remember what you wanted that's inside of you. And I'm going to remind you every single time we're together of that version of yourself until that version of you appears. And for both the you and I, it's still continuing. It still continues every day, right? Cause it continues to shift and change. But totally. it was like through our 11 month transformation, it was like a little drip and then a little drip and we'd get together like once a month and every month it was just like, you could, you almost couldn't recognize it until you could recognize it. And then you're like, where, when did you shift into this person? This is yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, totally. And I think just even sitting down and picking all the different things, it already lives inside of you, mm -hmm. you know? So taking the time and consciously choosing that is the courageous part because not everyone's going to understand it and they don't have to, right? It's only you that has to truly understand what that is. And you have to choose it all the time. Mm. You have to be so conscious of what you're doing and what you're choosing and how you're acting and how things would be different because you're choosing these different things. 
it is change, right? Totally. I think choosing courage is going to definitely be the, the, the title of this podcast because it, it is a choice. And I use this with my clients all the time. Um, it's the phrase, choose again, choose mm-hmm. again. And when you find yourself walking down the stairs to that new bedroom in the dark and you look at the furnace like in Home Alone and you're scared, you just go, okay, I'm going to choose again. Everything's fine. I'm going to choose again. I'm courageous. I'm going to choose again. I love it down here. I'm going to choose again. I'm going to find the light switch and turn it up full speed or whatever it is, you know? Mm I'm going to choose this for myself. One of the quotes that you and I came up with a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting, I just want to read it out loud to everybody because I think it's so pertinent here. And that is, I had said to you, disappointment is just accepting other people's expectations. Yes. And I think back to little me and little you with your parents and my upbringing. And it's like, what were we most afraid of? disappointing anyone, disappointing, you know, losing love, losing affection, losing, which we wouldn't have, but we were so afraid of disappointment when really all disappointment is, is you choosing, choosing to accept other people's expectations instead of choosing courage. Exactly. That's exactly it. (sighs) This is so good. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about courage today. <laughs> of course, anytime. It's amazing. You're one of the bravest women that I know. You continue to remind me to be courageous every single, every single day. I'm so grateful for you in my life. How can our listeners find you and get more of you in their day to day? Because they're definitely going to want to. You can follow me on Instagram. It's at Karishma underscore. Or you can go to my website and I'm offering free breakthrough calls right now. And you can schedule a call with me at www.coachingwithkarishma.com. Beautiful. You guys, uh, she also has been doing so many free workshops lately. So make sure you definitely follow her on Instagram. That's the hot spot. But she's just of this beautiful soul offering breathwork to heal the world. And you match that with her ability to be a certified coach. It's just... It's magic. It's magic. So I'm so excited for people to get a hold of you. And then two closing questions on the podcast. The first one is, what do you love most about yourself? Um, what do I love most about myself? I just love my ability to adapt to change and constantly change and be resourceful. Like this world has so many options to choose from so many things to find. There's so many great people offering so many different things that I never take no as an answer for myself. So I definitely love that about myself coupled with the perseverance piece of it. So, so true. You know what I love about that question the most is I've never sat across the mic with somebody where I haven't felt that in my soul. Like I would have said that about you. Yeah, I absolutely would have picked that about you. All of those things are so true. And so you, and I, so it's so cool to hear people say it about themselves and then have you go, oh, that's exactly what I see in you. Like, oh, this feels yeah. so good. I think the other thing that you probably would have said is like my grounded energy. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're so the opposite of me and like <laughs> joy and, you know, like happy. And I'm like earth. <laughs> 
Our energetics are definitely, what am I, am I the fire? Is that what my sign is like fire? I'm the fire. Pitta. I'm the fire and you're the grounding for sure. I go to you for my grounding and it's like, it's so necessary. Yes, absolutely. And then the last question that I always ask people is, um, what does joy feel like? What does joy feel like? Joy feels like a world of possibilities that there's no such thing as disappointment or expectation, only possibilities for you and yourself and continuing to choose possibilities and finding joy in the journey. Mm, I love that. Possibilities. So true. So true. There's a quote that I posted last week. It was something like, if everything is uncertain or if, if nothing is sure, so if nothing is certain, if, if nothing is certain, um, anything is possible. Yeah. That's totally. what makes me feel like when you said that. So, oh, I love you so much. Thank you so I much for you being a guest and opening up and being courageous. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, ask our listeners to do one more thing. When you jump off this podcast today, I want you to ask yourself, where can I be more courageous? Where can I be more courageous today? Is it asking for asking to come into work 30 minutes later every day is, you know, to give yourself the space and the time that you need to not feel rushed. Is it, um, leaving that toxic relationship that you're in? Is it maybe just opening up to a friend and creating some boundaries? Is it telling your parents something that you've been needing to tell them for a really long time? Um, is it maybe just telling somebody that you love them and it's hard to say the words, I love you to your friends, to your loved ones? Is it giving a hug to, um, your dad, who's maybe not very affectionate, you know, and making him feel uncomfortable, but giving yourself what you need. I've done that. Like now I give my dad hugs all the time and he's still pretty just like stiff as a (laughs) stick, but, um, I know that he loves it. And now he smiles and giggles when I hug him. So it's just like, where do you need more courage today? Where can you be more brave and just choose courage, just choose courage and see what it does for your life. So with that, we'll say goodbye and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, please take a quick second to screenshot this episode and share it with someone that you know would love it. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue the conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. Drop me a message, question, or share your own junk to joy story with me. Remember that joy is contagious. You can help me spread it by leaving a little buzz, aka a review, on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about Cup of Joy, the podcast, and my soulful services, visit cupofjoythepodcast.com. Chat soon.